0: Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt.
1: Howdy, friends. We are in it on this one. It's a showdown at high noon on the Frontier Freedom Hour. My name's Jeff Hunt. I'm the chief wagon boss of this operation. We're talking with Kevin Franciati who wrote an op-ed in the Colorado Sun in support of Proposition 122, which is going to decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms. Uh, His argument, a historic opportunity for Colorado to once again lead the country in progressive drug policy reform is on the ballot this November. He says Colorado voters can once again put American drug policy on the right track Oh boy. Kevin, I don't think Colorado's on the right track. I think it's a disaster. I think marijuana has been a disaster, which by the way, that's who's funding Proposition 122. The organization behind it is titled New Approach PAC. They've put about over 2 million into this effort and they're the ones behind a whole lot of marijuana legalization efforts around the country. But I got to be honest with you, Kevin, it's a disaster. Everything that was promised by the marijuana industry never came true. They promised that if we used, if we implemented marijuana, people wouldn't use opioids as much. People wouldn't drink alcohol as much. Then we have record alcohol consumption in the state. Um, we would get rid of the black market. The black market's bigger than it's ever been in the state of Colorado. Um, All of these ideas that this was just going to get rid of our problems and, oh, by the way, look at all this tax revenue that we would come in, just didn't materialize. And it feels like we're facing the exact same campaign. In fact, we're facing the same people who are funding this effort. So how is Colorado on the right track, in your opinion?
0: Sure. And, you know, coming from the East Coast, I moved here two years ago with my family we were dealing with an illicit fentanyl uh, problem in the earlier part of the century. So I've been witnessing what sort of feels like time travel in coming here and watching the same things as it was a little bit slower to move west. But with respect to um, psychedelic medicine and and plant-based psychedelics, which Proposition 122 would decriminalize, so we're talking about things like mescaline, uh, DMT, uh and psilocybin and iboga which was the plant medicine that enabled me to break free from my heroin addiction Um, when you look at the public health research when it comes to psychedelics and this is under the lens of the current drug prohibition model that we discussed in the first segment you see uh, based on public health data sets and analyses that people that have used psychedelics just at some point in their lifetime not even considering active use or current use or repetitive use, just at some point in their lives had a, less, uh, a lower probability of some intractable mental health concerns like suicidality, even psychosis, things like criminal recidivism or perpetuating domestic violence. Uh, I co-authored a paper a few years ago that showed a lower uh, likelihood of people with lifetime use of psychedelics as having opioid use disorders and if they did have opioid use disorders like i did they would actually be less severe so we can debate about the economics of marijuana and how that could rear its head again when it comes to this legislation but i don't see them as the same things as I see happening in parallel that this proposition is looking to uh, bring forward a model of additional sorts of regulation is a medicalized framework organizations like the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies bringing mdma-assisted therapy for ptsd through the fda approval process so those are very promising avenues and we can debate the science about it but even when those medicines are fda approved you would essentially be limiting access to a select few that has the capacity to be diagnosed has the ability to pay for what may not be an insurance-covered form of treatment. And with rates among veterans in the dozens dying by their own hands, sadly, every day in this country, we desperately need something different.
1: Why these sweeping promises? I've never understood this. We we end up uh, in—we're in a culture right now where we have— if you watch television and you receive a drug commercial— They have some ideas of how this can help you. And then you have this whole list of all these problems you may face, right? You got to, if you take this drug, you may have this, 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 this side effect, and you got to be weary of that. And then we go over to this kind of marijuana, psychedelics uh, approach to medicine. And these sweeping, I I get really passionate about this, Kevin, because I had these guys, I was debating these guys from the NFL on marijuana. And they were saying that marijuana is going to cure Alzheimer's and CTE. And I said, guys, if this is a cure for Alzheimer's and CTE, then I will celebrate in the streets with you. We will parade around in the streets with you. And, but it's not, and and we're a culture that would absolutely embrace this. So we end up with these like sweeping promises that don't come through. So why this idea that, that psilocybin and these psychedelic drugs are going to be able to help you with depression, lower suicidality, be this kind of cure-all for addiction and opioid use and all this stuff. Why do these sweeping promises on this? Why not have just like, well, we think it may help. And then my question would be, well, why not just go through the FDA process? So I guess I have two questions for you. Why do we need to do ballot box medicine? Why do we need to have people that have no idea what this thing does vote on it? Um, why not go through the FDA process, and then why not just be honest about this? May may help some people, but these sweeping promises that we're going to solve opioid use and suicidality and depression—if we just could have access to this one one drug—you
0: know, Jeff, that's actually a great question about why why are we proposing this at the ballot, and why don't we just wait for the FDA? You know, as I mentioned by the end of my op-ed. The, 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 and I'm not a representative from any kind of pharmaceutical company, so I'll just use that uh, to say that I have no, you know, sympathy for Pfizer and, and you know, these multi-billion dollar international pharmaco conglomerates that complain about the fact that, you know, developing medicine takes, costs tens of millions of dollars and many, many years to bring a drug through the FDA approval process, and sometimes they find out that it wasn't effective. So, you know, to, to sort of put a bigger picture frame on this is people do currently have access to plant-derived psychedelics. And what many people might get confused about is the fact that it may seem like this is a newer phenomenon, that people are talking about psychedelic substance use as a, it's a new thing. But when you look, we as a species are a naturally driven animal species towards experiencing altered states of consciousness. And and we could disagree on what exactly that means, but when you look at ancient evidence, archaeological evidence, anthropological evidence, humans have been using mind-altering substances since the dawn of of consciousness. Uh, We have evidence from ancient Greek society of a form of brew uh, designed to elicit a non-ordinary state. So I say all those things to say that We've we've been here as a civilization, we're in modern day times actually the only portion of human history that does not have a legal, safe, regulated access to these types of experiences and to psychedelics. So when folks like MAPS and Rick Doblin, the executive director of that organization I mentioned earlier, uh, did do the work since the mid 80s when the Drug Enforcement Administration initially scheduled MDMA to fight the political fight and then fight the fight towards putting it through the FDA and they've spent, you know, tens of millions of dollars over many, many years at this point, over at least 10 years bringing it through FDA. So we have people suffering and dying, as you mentioned, over 100,000 people with drug-related deaths every year. The crisis is urgent. I work in this field. I know how urgent it is. We don't have decades more to wait for any drug that goes through the FDA process has to be specified towards one indication at one time, Go through that for many many years and possibly get approved. We know based on evidence that there's a strong likelihood that these things work by going through the FDA and those public health uh, research that I've that I've claimed. But to your point about side effects and potential harms and overpromising, you know, when when I used drugs illicitly and when I went to the drug dealer, uh, he didn't tell me any side effects. He didn't re- run off a list of things that I should keep an eye out for in order to stay safe. When we talk about what the Natural Medicine Health Act would propose in this regulated model, we will have a system that emphasizes the possible risks, informs people of the concerns and possibility for uh, unexpected effects, and sets up a support system in order to accommodate that. In the current landscape of the war on drugs, that is not the environment that we have.
1: Talking with Kevin Franciati, he wrote an op-ed in the Colorado Sun, titled, a, psyche, a Psychoactive Substance Helped Me Beat Heroin, Proposition 122 Would Give Others Hope. And he's got an interesting background. He serves as an addiction counselor and clinical psychotherapist. He's based out of Littleton. We disagree on Proposition 122. The Centennial Institute has come out against it. But I, I, So, Kevin, and we've only got about a minute here, and we're going to get into the next segment, but we'll tee it up here. So you're saying that you know if I use this drug illicitly, no one's going to help me understand the problems associated with this drug so at least i have a counselor but then the fda process is so long which the point of the fda process is to help people understand all the problems of this so i feel like you you, you guys are tr- saying both things at the same time you're saying well you know the fda process is so long it's so drawn out we have to spend millions of dollars and even then we don't know if it's going to be helpful and that's the problem we see with marijuana because uh, we're now seeing a big rise in psychological problems attributed with marijuana use and the whole reason you have the fda is to understand that before you unleash it on a community but oh by the way um if if we don't pass this ballot initiative then drug dealers are just going to be giving it to people anyway so how do we get to a true understanding of this i don't want to unleash this on the people of colorado Before we get to a true understanding, I took up all the time. I'm sorry, Kevin. I'll let you speak on this uh, when we get back from the commercial break. But, friends, this is a really important debate. This is about the future of Colorado. I think Kevin has a vision for what drug use is going to look like in Colorado, free of what he calls the kind of failed war on drugs. From my perspective, Colorado's in a ditch. It's suffering. We've got people overdosing. We've got people using drugs, living in tents. It's not working. And people are suffering as a result of it. So I'm going to give Kevin the first word when we get back. You're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University.